0: definitely do want to start off talking about your book and like what inspired you to write it. Um, I read, well, I read like a summary of it. I read that it's a fiction novel um, and I'd be curious to hear, you know, why you went that route as opposed to like going the sort of real category route. Um, so whenever you want to start. Um. Good question.
1: I actually like it answering this because I find that people think fiction isn't as intellectual or stimulating as, as nonfiction, and I find that completely untrue because you have to have such a good picture imagination to be able to float with a fiction book and so I wrote fiction mainly because we we're going through COVID and I was like "Oh, I can't leave my house so how can I escape the world just sucked so as an ad- adult reader I think I was we started in 20 I was 22 and and as an adult reader I couldn't find any fiction that really made sense for me so I just wrote my own book and let it kind of just flow out of me and I really wanted to hit on a couple key points that happen in our real world but put them kind of hidden in the book as symbols of like what the character would go through but it was really what we were going through in um kind of like a collective consciousness spiritual way so i just kind of channel all of those thoughts into that one cohesive piece of fiction for people like me who possibly were or are every day you know you come home and you're like wow that sucked like how can i escape and like learn still does that make sense
0: absolutely could you touch on some of those elements
1: yes which ones
0: Just the ones that you uh, sort of hid into the book that reflect what Uh, we were going through in the world.
1: Some of the key elements that I hid inside the book had to do with the way mainly history and how things have historically played out. But it was really about showing how oppressed we really have been through the system and through the government. I personally know as a female what it's done to females because I am in that category where I'm hanging out with women all the time or whatever that may look like. It's, so I really wanted to put that in the book and I wanted to show how, like, I don't know if you know much about the witch trials, but women were really, really oppressed spiritually and they were burned at the stake for having little things like intuition, which is, it's just because we have to give birth. Like of course we would need to be intuitive to like bring a whole life into the world. And so I hit some of those elements in there. I also hit a bit of how men have kind of been oppressed by the government as well, because I'm sure, almost certain, that men don't want to go to war to die all the time. And they don't want to work 40 plus hours a week at like shitty jobs they hate to provide for their family. And so, but they do it, right? They still do it because they just have so much love inside of them that they're expressing. And that's kind of their way of being like, okay, I love my family, I'll provide. I love my family, it's my duty to go to war. But if I'm sure they would love to stay home and be with their kids. So I put a lot of those key elements inside of the book to just kind of talk about it. But I did it in a way so it wasn't like so like pushed down on us, because mm-hmm. that's not my opinion. I don't find that very helpful if we're just always like, well, this is wrong and this is right. It's like, Just, okay, well...
0: Yeah, Instagram clips of us yelling at each other.
1: Yeah, it's like, is that's not the way to move a conversation forward. You can't... If you, you oh. always come in two opposing ways, all you're going to meet is two opposing forces and you're never going to blend. And so I found fiction like a ground where it was like, interpret it the way you want because I'm writing it in a way that you can see it play out in your head and whatever way that is, is different for everyone. So enjoy
0: (laughs) and then like the message still gets through I think that's really really awesome that's really awesome especially given the current like method or form of communication that's primarily valued and celebrated and like rewarded by society where it's just whoever can say the thing that makes the other party look worse or look bad or like whatever you you know like just the, the instagram clip model of kind of almost like shitting on the other person to make a clip that goes viral or gets views. And then everybody just aligns with that message of, well, yeah, this is why we're superior or this is why we're more oppressed or this is why X, Y, and Z. And it's really cool to like throw some nuance in there mixed with the person's own interpretation and imagination, which I think you lose when you just idolize people off of 15, 30 second clips
1: totally and it's not even exercising any part of your brain where you would be like oh that's a different opinion than mine perhaps i should think about this subject in a multifaceted way it's always just like oh well i'm right so i'm going to continue and the algorithm doesn't help where it's like oh it's just going to push why i'm right and then our egos inflate in a in a very negative way because the ego can be somewhat positive and helpful but then we're just always like well i'm right and you're wrong And that's how, that's how we've become so divided in North America. And I think it's just, I think it's just so silly. And it's obviously like a game where just our minds are being played with.
0: Yeah, 100%. But Do you think there's opportunity to stray away from that and kind of go in the direction where people really critically think for themselves and, Like we maybe don't reward some of these clips or some of the, and I say clips again and again, because I think that's like the primary sort of gateway into, you know, believing an ideology. I think majority of us are just constantly scrolling. That's how I found about, found out about you was through a a clip. Right. And it's like, do we see ourselves as a collective moving away from that? What do you think?
1: Mm, It's a very good question. I think as we progress, we will continue to stream and watch clips. And that's just inevitable because that's just the trendy way. But I think a lot of the things that are coming to surface now are going to change the way people collectively believe in things. So it's almost like, yes, we're going to be watching clips, but now we're going to be a little bit more rebellious and we're going to see... We're going to see people being like, no, actually, you know what? I don't believe that. And because we have platforms, we can use our voices on, I'm getting so many goosebumps. We can use our voices on these platforms, which are subject to essentially being shown to the entire world, which makes us collectively much smaller, but way more educated as a whole. And so the way that we move now, I think will be into the light somewhat. Instead of, and when I say light, I don't mean like, the dark is bad. That's not what I'm saying. I just mean light as in like, we're going to see each other as individuals that we can respect and honor without being like, my opinion is more important than yours.
0: Yeah, that's really, really optimistic. <laughs> I admire that approach. I think it's <laughs> it's certainly um, not how I view us trending, unfortunately. And maybe my cynicism or pessimism comes from just my environment or experiences, which can certainly shape how you, you know, view the entirety of the world or what you think the world is. Just your everyday-to-day interactions or whoever you're you're around, which I think is another like important tangent to to uh, maybe go down uh, slightly, it's like really like surrounding yourself with the right people, but obviously right is not necessarily the right word for each person um but just surrounding yourself with people that challenge what you believe but also make you think about other things like think about the world in a in a broader way and i don't know i mean that's that's a whole whole deeper layer and i'm also like straying away from just talking about these things because i feel like i don't know shit like i'm still like (laughs) learning um as
1: we all are yeah
0: but yeah i'd be curious to hear about you know where you think you developed this way of thinking and where do you think or and how do you think you maintain this way of thinking as opposed to going down a certain path where you just believe certain things and just you know don't have nuance like i said or critical thinking
1: right i think the major one of the major elements in shaping my identity and my personality and my thought process was actually growing up in canada because I know that people say America is a melting pot, multicultural, blah, 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 but I've been to America a lot and it is, it is multicultural, but everybody wants to be American. Everyone's like, I'm American now. I immigrated, I'm American, which is fine. That's the way that they want to live. Great. In Canada, however, it's more of like a stained glass window So everyone is in the window. Everyone has a significant piece, but everyone looks different, but we all come together. And so all my friends growing up were a different race, a different religion, and they spoke different languages. And so I got exposed very early to a Jamaican household. So I'd hang out with my babysitter, who's Jamaican. We'd be eating jerk chicken, dumplings. They'd be speaking patois. I was like, whoa, this is cool. They braid my hair. Then my other friend, her family's from Iraq. So I would sit in there. They have different couches. They have different art. Everything's in Arabic, very Muslim. They would speak in Arabic. So I got to pick up words from them and like learn how their family dynamic was. I had other friends who were indigenous to Canada. So I would see dream catchers, lots of feathers, wolves everywhere, like as their art. And I would hear their beliefs and their stories. And it was really, really cool to just like, observe and listen. There are a lot of kids, families that immigrated to Canada, I had a lot of friends from certain parts of Africa, certain parts of South America, certain parts of Europe. And so having those people around me, no no one was ever the same, which was so cool. Like I look back at some of my pictures from junior high, everyone's different. (laughs) My friend group is like I was the only I think it was like me And then one other girl or guy were Caucasian. Like, look, I'm European, so I'm Greek. I'm not from the mountain of Caucasian. (laughs) I never click that box when I have to fill it out because I hate that. But there's a Filipino girl. There's an African girl. There's an African guy. Another Filipino guy. Another indigenous guy. Like, everyone was just different. And so it was very easy for me to see things from different points of view. Like, super easy. I was like, okay, yeah, I can see your point. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, the system in a way, in a way, because it's also the flip side of that is it's very easy to lose your own personal identity within a mixture of other people. So seeing my friends helped because I could understand. And then it also made me lose a part of myself that I had to give back. But I think everybody goes through that. So the system in that way very much helped me grow into who I am today.
0: That's awesome. And that, that's certain that level of exposure certainly helps kind of have a broader view and like realize we're, we're all human beings uh, with different upbringings. And at the end of the day, we're experiencing this existence and life thing for the first time, like at the same time. And I think we forget that when we go into identity groups or start just fighting and arguing with other people um, because of differences in, in opinion or differences in race or whatever you want to you know, whatever thing annoys you or puts you to the point where you want to fight with people. But I think it's certainly true in many parts of the the United States where a lot of people aren't really exposed to different cultures. Maybe they see people of different cultures or people that don't look like them, but they don't really take the time to like download their experiences or even hear their words to get some glimpses of what their life has been like Um, and I think you know if you haven't had the opportunity to do that or meet people like traveling is a good way to get exposure and just get perspective in general as well Um, let's talk a little bit more about some of the things that you do in your day-to-day to kind of maintain that perspective and to kind of just provide value to the world, because I I see that you have a podcast of your own and you've been an entrepreneur. You've kind of had your own um, business and company and just been doing your own thing creatively and authentically. So if you want to touch on, you know, what you do in, on a day-to-day basis and how you kind of maintain that part of your identity.
1: Day-to-day looks different for me because I do, like you said, I, I, Do have a lot of creativity. I'm doing a lot of things at once. And so sometimes I feel a little too restless if I'm not doing things that are stimulating. So I'm often just creating. That's literally just what I do. I'm just a creator. So my business is content creation and social media management. I recently went to England, actually, to meet a client of mine, make some content out there. Then after I flew to Greece, made some content, then to Paris, made some content. So That was very nice for me because I was constantly moving, constantly learning. Other things that I do, even in my city, is I have, I still maintain my friendships. Everyone's different. I, if I have a group of five people around me, I, they need to bring something new and different to the table. That's it. That's my key. I can never have two friends that agree on everything with me. I don't want to be agreed with constantly. There are certain things that I would like my opinion to be respected about because I might have more experience than you. I think that's completely different. So I, one of my friends who doesn't do the same work I do, if she was like, uh, I want to do that. I'm going to start, but everything you did is wrong. I would be like, okay, no. Right. That would be like a, I would rather my opinion be respected, but they all need to be different. They all need to bring something new to the table. So that's a practice that I have and I make sure I maintain. And I also have friends that live in different places in the world, which I maintain those friendships. So I know I can keep different opinions and tabs on things that are actually happening in those societies. So I'm not being, my mind isn't fulfilling itself with propaganda and other things that we see online. And I, I ask, I ask these people invasive questions. Like I want to get, I don't want to say, Oh, how's the weather? I don't care. Tell me what's going on with these riots. I want to know how is the Social economy doing with this? Like, I ask these deep, invasive questions because I want to hear their opinion and I want to see what's going on. So, those are just simple things I do with people because people are like, you can read a thousand books, and this is coming from an author who has a ton of books. So, I love books, but you can read a thousand books and you can learn so much more by just talking to one person. If you're going into the conversation, actually listening and hearing and asking the right questions, you can learn so much. People are so valuable. They are the, if I'm to say cities are the structure, cities would be the bones of our body, right? People are the veins. They run through. They make sure everything is getting to where it needs to be. A city without people would be desolate and boring and no character, would be nothing. So I make sure above everything that I maintain the people in my life. Those are the most important
0: that's really really valuable i think to add to that let's say you find yourself being an introverted person who doesn't really have a social circle i think just doing that for yourself is valuable as well but just experiencing life in a conscious way and kind of having an inner narrative where you're observing what you're what you're doing on a daily basis and what interactions you're having and how other people are kind of flowing like you mentioned like in society just kind of observe and uh think about how you think, how you act, I think that serves, that can serve one really, really well. And in my experience, that served me fairly well. Um, Periods of my life where I was introverted, I kind of just started going inward, but also in a positive way, not like isolating myself from society, but thinking more about my actions, my intentions, uh, my position in the world, and like how everything just, everything just is like, everything around us was created by somebody and how we can like such little things and make an impact and like can do anything and 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 all of that came from inside but also certainly from books and like outside um you know stimuli and talking to people like you mentioned so really do see the value in in all of those things i think it's it's really easy to get caught up in one way of living and one way of thinking and just get caught up in specific habits of, I don't know, entertainment. But I mean, there's no judgment there. I think it, you know, not everybody likes to think.
1: It's I actually learned from, I learned this from the internet, but then I asked people, people think differently. So the way that I internalize my dialogue is through photos and uh, not like but I see things in my head, but I also hear them. So I'll have conversations kind of in my head, but some people just don't think that way. And which I found so interesting. Some people just don't have a busy mind. And for me, that was a trip and a half because I was like, okay, what do you do all day then? But like, I guess they're just not so stressed out. They're not so anxious. They're not having this internal dialogue. That's like, "Mm, mm," all the time, right? So
0: that's what they do. (laughs) Yeah.
1: They're well-rested individuals who never have to worry about eight hours because I'm out here like counting <laughs> like, ah, When am I going to get to bed? So it, everyone is just so different and so cool. And you can just learn from everyone by ob- observation.
0: Would you say um... – Or rather, what has your experience been kind of navigating through different personalities? Do you think you're not do you think, but are you extroverted or are you introverted? Have you always had an easy time getting along with people?
1: I think for me, I have a very easy time getting along with people on just in general, the where I differ sometimes because I find myself more of an introvert than an extrovert, actually because I need the time by myself to to my pictures and my thought process they need to they need space so I need to spend a lot of time alone and I honor that within myself I don't try to push and say oh that's weird you know you should go out and socialize I never push myself I say if you need time to just sit in a dark room alone do it and And I do, I do sit in a dark room alone, like at least once a week, because I I need the time. So I have to honor those sides of myself. And I think oftentimes what I've noticed with people is they, they believe that they need to be someone else according to what other people want from them. And I find this to be such a dichotomy, because if you are doing what people want you to do, you're never doing what you want to do. And so the person you become is no longer yourself. And so who do they love at the end of the day they love this fiction character that they've made up of you that they've projected onto you and so something that's really important for people to understand is it's okay to be yourself it's okay to sit and read a book if that's what you need it's also okay to go and socialize if that's who you are and what you love so whatever you feel is fine just find a good outlet for it because of course, are our negative outlets. And there are certain things that are more harmful than others. Like I was actually trying to pull data from observations of what makes people creative and what makes us want to go out into the world and show up. And I think a lot of creative people who haven't found an outlet start to cave in on themselves. So I don't know if you've noticed this with artists, but I think that the less time we spend with an outlet, so whether that's writing or reading or or painting or drawing or singing or dancing, whatever. It could be literally hula hooping, soccer, uh, whatever. The less time we spend doing those things that make us feel in that flow, in that creative state, the more I think we collapse in on ourselves and become depressed. And I think this is where a lot of like addiction comes in. This is where a lot of uh, anxiety starts to come up. So it's really important for us to A, honor ourselves, see what we really like to do, honor our time with friends or honor our time by ourselves. And then find something that we can bring out of ourselves if we have that innate drive to create. Cause that one I've noticed will just rip people apart. I think Absolutely. I kind of skewed off topic there, but
0: No, you're totally fine. And it makes sense. Like I think a lot of us lose that as we get older and of endless amounts of content out there talking about the childlike spirit and like retaining your childhood self. But it's really, really true. I think in my experiences, the older I'm getting and, you know, even the more successful i become, I realize like I'm, I, I had to put in work to be able to afford my childhood self again, to be able to like buy time to do the things that I really want to do. Um, I had to give up time in the short term or whatever timeline of, I guess, work you, you, you want to view it. At. Um, and I think majority of people aren't able to get to that point. Because they get in these habit loops driven by their own negative inner narrative and it's just their Mm -hmm. inner self screaming like hey this is not what we're meant to be doing remember when we used to do this and like this and it was effortless but to cope or to compensate for the lack of that outlet we can get in these negative habit loops and negative spending patterns that just keep us hooked in in that whole cycle of Oh, I just need to trade my time for money and eventually I'll have the ability to be quote unquote free. Um, And that's why I admire people that take risk and say, you know what, I'm just going to do my own thing. And even if I don't make as much as I would being in a corporate position or X, Y, and Z, um, which by the way, some nuance there, like being in the corporate world isn't necessarily bad either. Um, You can get stock options that can allow you to buy freedom in your 30s and that's something that's often overlooked but um the point is like people that take that risk and a lot of us have taken that risk in recent times at least uh given you know driven by the pandemic um i think find that we're not just meant to be doing this shit like we're not just meant to be doing what we think we are and you, to my knowledge, have been doing this since 2014. I think I read that's when you started your company, uh, your marketing company. But do you have any experiences before that, or you know, if you could recall, what kind of drove you to the point of saying, "I don't want to"? This is an assumption. I am not sure if you if you have a corporate job or anything or what your upbringing's been like. But what drove you to the point where you didn't want to? I guess do that.
1: I had a very interesting childhood. So my family was very broken and very divided. And my parents, they split up before I was born. Neither of them had stability, stable jobs, stable finances. I grew up in government housing here in Canada. So it's where the government funds most of your housing. So you pay like very cheap rent because you don't make a lot of money. She was on welfare when I was growing up and there were, you know, I had to get clothes from other people donating to me. Sometimes we wouldn't have, like, a ton of food at home. Uh, Every time I had to, or I played a sport, my mom would have to, like, work a casino night or, you know, just find funding somewhere and hope someone would help, like... So, the opportunity of school and university to me never seemed very feasible. I didn't, A, no one in my school family really went only like one person that I know in my close related family went to university the second one was it's so expensive and I couldn't even fathom how much I would have to work to get out of that debt or even sustain myself in the university and so when I turned 17 I decided that I wanted to model and I was like, that's I can do that. I can model. So right out of I was in high school still. I had a couple jobs. I was working because we were poor and I needed to make money to buy lunch and stuff. I started working as a model. I just called every agency ever, got signed, started hustling that way. And then it kind of evolved into a point where I understood how to look nice on camera, but I also understood how to make things look nice on camera, which as social media evolved as well, because Instagram kind of came out was getting popular, I was like, oh, this is a great tool to like show off my skills, and so everything just kind of evolved into where I am now, which is I'm um, full time sustainable job. Um, I hire people out, like I have a team. Life's cool. I get to like make a podcast and like talk about spirituality because I have such a stable home environment now that I've created for myself. And and so I just it never appealed to me. I never cared. I saw other people doing corporate jobs great. I love that for them. I think I think whoever wanted to do a corporate job and loves it, it's perfect for them. And I'm so happy that they're happy in their position. For those who hate their job, there are so many other ways to make money, especially now. And it doesn't like, the, the money isn't really the, like, I wanted a stable home. So I made enough money that I could be stable and be free. That's what I wanted. Freedom and stability, which they're so contradictory because you think, oh, freedom, like you just do whatever you want. No, I needed stability because I never had that. and I needed freedom because I also never had that. And so I created this job out of my two necessities and learning what I needed was the key. It wasn't wanting the money. It wasn't wanting a bigger house. It wasn't wanting a car blah, blah, blah. It was, what do I need to feel good about my life and myself? And it was those two things. And so from there, I just worked until I I was like, oh, okay, perfect. Now I feel that way and everything else worked itself out. So and not to, I don't really believe in organized religions. I'm not someone who you could sit down with and be like, I wouldn't quote you Bible verses like crazy, but there is something in the Bible. Don't know what chapter, don't know what, I don't know. And I'm sure it's in the Quran. My friend actually wants to bring me a copy so I can read it so I can know more. It says not to worship false gods. And as I grew up in a Catholic household, so I went to Catholic school, blah blah blah. People were saying no other gods before God. But as I got older, I realized that money is a false god. Like putting money so high above ourselves, above our family, above our beliefs, that's a false god. That and no no one talk about that. No one's ever like, "Oh, money's a false God or material wealth. That's a false God. That like is... it, it, you don't need, yeah, it just it it bothers me because it's like that those are false gods. They really are because they're not going to give you what you really need.
0: That's so true. I think it's really, really. It's so true but it's something that you really have to go through. Like you have to experience it to have that perspective. Um at least that's what that's what I think based on my experiences. Um I certainly had the desire to like I don't know make a million dollars by 23 and 24 and mm-hmm. I set these goals in like calendar entries growing up and I started doing stuff for myself at 13. Um, I moved here when I was 12 and just started making YouTube videos from uh, from India. I was born in India,
1: but I moved here when I was
0: 12 um, in North, like Delhi, the capital.
1: Oh, nice.
0: Yeah. But when I came here, I didn't really have friends and I immediately found an outlet of creativity, just making YouTube videos, um, making a little bit of money. But I always had that desire to like, like, like you said, like worshiping money as a as a as the final boss like the ultimate metric of success and not really realizing how money is a tool it can buy you freedom you can really put yourself in a position to do whatever you want and the cost of freedom is also not that great like you don't need to have a million dollars to be free you just need to change what you value like you don't need a million dollars to consider yourself successful. If you can wake up and decide how your day, you know, how your day goes and what you do and everything you do produces joy and satisfaction, that's the ultimate form of existence. And there's no reason we worship money. So I started to learn that actually recently after making like a little bit of money or whatever, like realizing, okay, I can buy certain things, but that doesn't mean I'm like doing what I want to be doing to be able to buy those things. Um, and so it's really 100%. cool that you, you um, kind of discovered that early and, and shaped your life around those beliefs that I think a lot of humans nowadays could benefit from.
1: Yeah, totally. It's all about, honestly, like it comes down to a very simple term. It's just know yourself. it. Just know yourself. And then, that's what you should be looking at when you try to make all these big decisions. It's just know what you need on an individual scale outside of any category that you believe you need to be placed in. Like I never was like, okay, I'm a straight white female, and never said that. I was like, I just, I'm me. I'm Kaylee. So move. I'm gonna do what I want to do, and. Without harming anybody, I just want to make that abundantly clear. Mm-hmm. I was really rebellious. I was like, "This is what I need to do for me," and so that's what I did. I never went into a corporate room to pitch business ideas. Like, "Oh, I'm just a 19 year old girl." I was, like, "Nope, I have something to offer as who I am." So it's really important know yourself outside of categories because at the end of the day, they don't they don't mean as much as we think they do.
0: Absolutely, and with the internet, there are no gatekeepers per se like you don't have to go to the room and pitch your idea when you can just create and press upload or you know like programming i read um on the almanac by naval and i would recommend that to as many people as possible um it talks a lot about you know kind of shaping your life around the pursuit of freedom and not the pursuit of wealth although wealth is the ultimate gateway to freedom but Like we mentioned that uh, you don't have to have like wealth can be uh, a uh, subjective term per se.